What is time? Please sit comfortably. When I first came to Zen in my 30s, um, which I thought must be all about the timeless, I was shocked at how rigorous the timing was uh, in Zen. Uh, was, is. Uh, here we are on Sushin, and uh, with a, you know a beautiful schedule, but very carefully regulated and mindfully observed. And uh, the result of this experience is that I came to feel that only those with good time management would get to experience eternity. <laughs> I'm still struggling with that, Cohen. <laughs> uh, truly, um, though the precise timing of session and uh, through the precise timing of session, um, we forget about it enables us to forget about uh, time. Um, yeah, it's all uh, looked after, uh, and after a while, uh, the sense of what day it is, like struggling to remember, what day? What do you mean, uh, is it, um, arises. It's a little bit like technique in learning, say, piano, um, uh, where you, everything can be timed in the sense the five-finger exercise can be set to a metronome and you do them over and over and over again and ultimately uh, then pass through the Old Testament of the well-tempered clavier of Bach and then the New Testament of the Beethoven Sonatas or the Newer Testament of Bartok's Microcosmos or one of those works and uh, then uh, you find that you, you, know, you, you can play, um, hopefully, after all of that. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's beautifully timed session, and within that, one can rest in that structure and play uh, as well. Uh, Britta Biedemann uh, tells a story, um, marvellous story, it's called, What is Time, Mum? And it goes like this. Riding in a silent carriage of a high-speed commuter train in Germany, a little girl, focusing intensely on her colouring in book, all of a sudden lifts her head and asks her mum in a relatively clear and loud voice, Mama, what is time? Uh, Mama, was ist Zeit? The other passengers all lift their heads too at this point, stopping their business as they wait for the mother's response. <laughs> After a long pause, the mother laughs and responds, that is a good question. It is something you have less and less of the older you get. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're always quantifying time. We have time. We don't have time. Time is running out. How much time do I have? Uh, and on and on. Um, time taken on these terms is a commodity. Uh, the sentiment... Uh, time is money expresses this succinctly. 
actually in, in the light of Dogen's Ujiv, which we'll touch in a little bit, a bit further in, time as money is actually quite profound. <laughs> yeah. It's significant that the people in the silent carriage on the long, white, sleek ICE train travelling from one end of Germany to the other in seven hours are trying to save time, to catch up on time, to use time to accomplish tasks, all the while being oblivious to the world, out, or the world around them. That is, until a little girl disperses it with her question. It's such a confronting question. You can hear the profound silence before the little girl's mother replies. As distinct from commodification, uh, truly the moment is timeless. Even to call it the moment is to create a convenient fiction. Children ask, uh, what is time? But for the most part, they're unconcerned about knowing, about knowing the time, although only three sleeps to your birthday certainly has meaning. Back in 1973, uh, Michael Ende wrote a marvellous novel for children called Momo. Actually, Momo is a novel for us all, for it addresses the central issue of our time. Why, when we have so many time-saving appliances and instant digital access to the world, uh, think of how much time it used to take to post a letter. Yeah. Actually, truly, it took no time at all to post that letter. But, yeah, um, why do we seem to have so little time? A question like how much time do I have, of course, can be hugely consequential for ourselves and for our families and our friends. I think of the situation of being told we have a terminal illness. Uh, how do we use the time we have left? Perhaps it's an opportunity to forgive, to seek forgiveness, and to tell people that we love them while we still can. An endless life may well be a meaningless one, but the fact that we will die uh, gives urgency, even meaning, to our life. In Momo, Michael Ende makes a wonderful observation. Life holds one great but commonplace mystery, time. Calendars and clocks exist to measure time, but that signifies little, because we all know that an hour can seem like eternity or pass in a flash, according to how we spend it. Time is life itself. The mother's remarks point to the familiar sense of time seeming to speed up as we age. Again, being there for what is, being intimate with what presents, shifts our apprehension of time from an exclusive focus on how much time we have or don't have to greater intimacy with the timeless of this moment, right here, right now. If that girl, little girl had asked you what is time, how would you have responded to her? Here's a couple of little stories that just touch on aspects of time. 
After he had been knocked down by a delivery van, I accompanied my father in the ambulance to Royal Perth Hospital. They put him in treatment. There was no one in charge, so I broke regulations to keep him company. Sitting up in bed, he looked like a distinguished conductor. His grey hair was swept up onto a high white pillow and his nose beaked commandingly. Though no one could find time to get him a bottle to piss in, four hospital staff came to him with their clipboards to ask him for his age. Generously, he gave each one a fresh response. 21, 98, 47, and finally 200. <laughs> All without a trace of irritation. <laughs> Um, I had this little dialogue with Rose, and she's nine at the time. And uh, I said to her, do you know I'm, I'm more than eight times your age? This is the immensity of that, you know, more than eight times your age. And uh, I said, when, but when I talk to you, I feel younger. And she said, when I talk to you, I feel grown up. And I said, um, how old would that be? And she said, uh, I feel 10. <laughs> uh, I talk with Charlotte and Rose. It's, one, it's wonderful, just wonderful doing this stuff uh, with my grandchildren. I, I, I love it. And they're just so on to this. Uh, we talk about different experiences of how time passes, when we're involved and interested, it goes quickly. I go, they know, they, they tell me that, that, that stuff. And when we're disengaged or bored, it passes so slowly. Um, yeah. And I, I, I have to say straight out here, I'm a complete, uh, I, I love pop, popular science, but uh, I have no grasp of the intricacies of relativity, but they love the whole relativity story, and they're totally into it. Uh, they, uh, Einstein discovered in 1915, long before he had clocks accurate enough to measure it, time passes faster in the mountains than it does at sea level. Um, and uh, so time moves, and time moves more quickly up here on Mount Helena than down in the city. So it's good we're doing session as a kind of counterbalance to slow things down and to correct the relativity, if you will, <laughs> which must be all of a second or two, you know, at best. But but still, and I love the twins' paradox. Um, uh, fascinated by it. Einstein's thought experiment in special relativity uh, involving identical twin twins. One makes a journey into space in a high-speed rocket and returns home to find that the twin who remained at, on Earth has aged uh, more. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're just yeah, fascinated with that. Yeah. So I keep learning things to... to, to <laughs> To, to, to throw into the conversation with them. The great traditional account of time uh, and its nature in Zen is that of Dogen Senji uh, in his uh, Uji, uh, uh, the time being. This, uh, uh, their time and being are not separate. Uh, so the time being. 
in terms of Uji, uh, time is you and you are time. So let's explore a little bit of the opening of Uji. Uh, it starts, an ancient Buddha said, uh, Yashan is the ancient Buddha referred to here. And he didn't say this, actually, um, but it's okay. For the time being, stand on top of the highest peak. For the time being, proceed along the bottom of the deepest ocean. For the time being, three heads and eight arms. For the time being, an eight or sixteen foot golden body. For the time being, a staff or whisk. For the time being, a pillar or lantern. For the time being, the sons of Chang and Li. For the time being, the earth and sky. Uh, we have the English expression for the time being, which uh, you know, indicates just for now. But time being here in Dogen's terms means, uh, means that time itself is being, um, and all being is time. Uh, a little later, our sense, the popular sense or vernacular of uh, for the time being uh, gets a toehold uh, in all of this as well. But for the moment, for the time being means time itself is being and all being is time. He goes on. A golden 16-foot body is time. Because it is time, there is the radiant illumination of time. Study it as the 12 hours of the present. Three heads and eight arms is time. Because it is time, it is not separate from the 12 hours of the present. So, Uji um, is a compound of U, which means uh, some, being, having, existence, and Ji, which is time. Uh, Uji is a common expression in Japanese, meaning um, sometime, at one time, or as we use it for the time being. Uh, Dogen um, takes it in the sense, or gives it the sense of time and existence are inseparable. In the, these grand opening lines of Uji, Dogen says that he is quoting uh, the old Buddha Yashan, who lived from 745 to 828. And Yashan himself wrote, if you want to know human endeavours, then purify this noble form, hold a jar and carry a monk's bowl. If you try to escape from falling into the lower realms, first of all, you should not give up these practices. It is not easy. You should stand on top of the highest peak and go to the bottom of the deepest ocean. This is not an easy practice, but you will have some realisation. Um, of course, Dogen just takes this and just completely runs with the one image. Um, yeah. Um, giving us a panoramic vision of the time being. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, the two of Dogen's works, both Genja Khan uh, and Uji, both are, are open with these uh, huge and all-embracing uh, passages, and then work in uh, to the detail. 
So time and being are not separate, they are utterly intimate to each other. Time is not separate from us. Just, and this is in terms of the big list, just as time is an asura, uh, which is to say a titan or a demigod. Time is the 16-foot golden body of the Buddha. Okay. Realisation itself. Time is uh, the sons of Jang and Lee, which is to say Tom, Dick and Harry, uh, and all of common humanity. The list goes on not to speak of staffs and whisks and pillars and lanterns. And this intimacy is beautifully expressed uh, by Mizumi in the opening lines of um, his preface to the Blue Cliff record. Uh, this is the, uh, touches the intimacy that Dogen is conveying here. There are numerous ways to read a book. Skimming, memorising, careful study, quiet reading, reading aloud, reading with the body, reading with the mind, and reality reading. It is this last kind of reading which the Blue Cliff Record requires. In this mode, you yourself become the Khan, and in so doing, the Blue Cliff of ancient China stands revealed as your very life, right here in this time and place tonight that kind of intimacy. A 16-foot golden body is time. Because it is time, there is the radiant illumination of time. So what is the radiant illumination of time in right now? Uh, each of us sitting here, the lamps, the candles, the carpet, the figures on the altar, beating hearts, tired eyes. The time is an asura. He says the time being is three heads and eight arms. This brings to mind the story of Yu Daopo, whose woman who was a donut maker. Uh, in ancient uh, China. Uh, she sat in uh, Lin, uh, Yeh's, uh congreg congregation and was really passionate about the way. Uh, Lang Ye gave her the Khan. Who is the person, what is the person of no rank? Uh, which comes from Lin Chi. And uh, she carried this, uh, sat with it, carried it with her while working, um, 
Yes, in all of the phases of her life for a long time. Uh, one day she heard a monk singing a song, uh, which is Delights of the Lotus Flower. And uh, it refers to, uh, in it, it refers to the marriage um, of a civil servant uh, to the daughter of the spirit of Lake uh, Tung Ting. And uh, she heard the monk singing this song. I don't know the melody of the tune, but let's assume it goes something like um, La da 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 La da 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 And she had an awakening on hearing the song. She, <laughs> she was there with her husband and she threw uh, her donut pan uh, onto the ground, uh, you know, <laughs> in sheer joy and delight and with a complete wildness. And he said, what, are you crazy? <laughs> and she said, this is not your realm. setting him right. So Langye, the teacher, seeing her approach, uh, knew uh, from her, from seeing her approach. Uh, and he asked her, what is the true person of no rank? She immediately said, there's someone of no rank with six arms and three heads working furiously, smashing Flower Mountain into two with one blow. For 10,000 years, the flowing water doesn't know the spring. The true person of no rank comes forth with atrocious energy in the world beating donut batter with a whisk, splitting Flower Mountain with its many dangerous ridges into two and thereby releasing the great stream of the way. For 10,000 years, the flowing water does not know the spring. Truly, uh, we don't know our source. We don't know our origin. We don't know why we live. Asura is sort of the, the titan, the god. Asura is also us caught up in our passions, choking on the three poisons of greed, hatred and delusion. Uh, yet with the arms, uh, there are the arms of Guan Yin uh, in the midst of the fury and disappointment and rage. And imposture. What is really interesting too about Dogen's view that it is not... Um, it is not some kind of metaphysical conceit 
which is remote from ordinary time or the measured time. It completely includes it. And this is one of the great strengths of his account uh, of time. He says, study the time being as the 12 hours of the present. Pay attention. In East Asia, the entire day was divided into 12 hours, six for day and six for night, as determined by sunrise and sunset. This inclusion of time in the ordinary sense of measured time, clock time, if you will, um, is immensely important. Our ordinary measure of time finds its home here. The time being finds its home uh, in uh, terms of uh, Chinese, uh, the Chinese account as the hour of the rat, the hour of the tiger, the hour of the boar, or more familiarly, perhaps for us, lunch hour. Um, all of these. Um, I have introduced Rose to uh, incense and, inc and uh, lighting incense and incense races like red versus green versus black. Um, but I also told her about uh, incense clocks that were used in the old monasteries and um, so that she knew the time by the um, aroma of the incense. So 2 a.m. Uh, a jasmine, 2 a.m. Uh, frankincense, 3 a.m. Ah, <laughs> I've lost my... <laughs> Sandalwood, 4 a.m. Plum Blossom, 5 a.m. <laughs> Three heads and eight arms for Dogen says it's time. It, it also stands, three heads and eight arms stands provisionally for uh, deluded consciousness. But with Dogen, these uh, notions of delusion and enlightenment do not hold at all, and they flow readily uh, into each other. So, yeah, don't get stuck as, as distinct from the 16-foot golden body of the Buddha, you know? Which, yeah. Good not to get caught on that duality. Three heads and eight arms is time. Because it is time, it is not separate from the 12 hours of the present. Our suffering is time, and because it is time, it is not separate from this very night uh, with its struggles and disappointments. And Carlo Ravelli says in a beautiful book, which I do recommend to you, The Order of Time, um, which is time initially from quantum perspectives, um, but then broadens into you know, time within the everyday realm as we experience it. It's a beautiful book. And um, this is just a little taste of what he has to say. We long for timelessness. We endure the passing of time. We suffer time. Time is suffering, and we begin to see that we are time. Very interesting, echoing Dogen. We are memory, we are nostalgia. We are longing for a future that will not come. 
The clearing that has opened up in this way by memory and by anticipation is time. A source of anguish sometimes, but in the end a tremendous gift. This uh, comment here, the clearing that has opened up in this way by memory and by anticipation is time. What he's referring to most specifically is, uh, can be thought of as music or song or uh, I guess a poem or literature more generally but he uses the example of a song and he says that and he quotes uh, St. Augustine um, who also uses the example of a hymn that you, if I went back to the original tune la dum ba da 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 uh, it depends on the memory of what has gone and the anticipation of what may come. La da da da. We're going back. What we're going to do? Da So this balance of uh, uh, of memory and anticipation. Uh, creates the sense of time and it's a beautiful analogy for uh, yes, for our experience of, of time that tension you know at the, at the same time <laughs> um, memory and anticipation happen now as this moment um, yeah, anticipation uh, and planning always feels like we're somehow in the future um, when we do that. And just like when we're remembering we are in the past, uh, we feel. But it is all present. And present, in Dogen's terms, is fast. Dogen writes, even though you do not measure the hours of the day as long or short, far or near, you still call it 12 hours. Because the signs of times coming and going are obvious, people do not doubt it. Um, quite a long time ago, I had black hair and a black beard. Now my beard is white and my hair is grey. Um, and one can adduce hundreds and hundreds of examples of this. Uh, yeah, time passes. Interestingly for Aristotle, time was the measure of change. And he said, if there is no change, there is no time. Very, very interesting. So session feels like uh, slightly above sleep and death is uh, no change, you know. <laughs> Seven highly routinized, as far as possible, the same. You know, so yeah, um, sort of, sort of, kind of uh, tap dancing around timelessness. Although they assist people uh, and their experience of time, although they do not doubt it, they do not understand it. Or when sentient beings doubt what they do not understand, their doubt is not firmly fixed. Because of that, their past doubts do not necessarily coincide with present doubt. 
So, okay, all of that. And then he says, yet doubt itself is nothing but time. <laughs> what a move to make on his doubters. <laughs> if, you doubt, if you doubt what I'm putting here, uh, that's time itself. Doubt is so important. Uh, the greatness of the Zen way rests in part on the fact that it includes our doubts about it and about our practice. Uh, it includes myriad doubts. Women said, make your whole body a mass of doubt. Uh, a great way. Uh, a great way to practice, to include it all in. Great that the way Zen way also includes humour. Humour and doubt can be very close. I remember saying to Mary Ridwin, uh, "You can't teach without a measure of self-doubt." Mary replied, "You can't live without a measure of self-doubt." Settle into your not knowing. Uh, you don't know, and you don't know, and you don't know, and you continue to raise the Khan in that uh, context, and still you don't know. Yeah, settle in 